0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's... Uh... Called My Old Man.
3: Here's Grealish. Target overlapping. It's two to aim for. Wesley! He's got two! Aston Villa! Consolidate the lead, it's a lightning
4: break, and it's that Brazilian number nine again. Welcome to the My oh Man Said podcast, the quality Aston Villa podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of said.com You're joining us for part two of episode 102 where we will uh, continue and get into the top 10 Aston Villa player power rankings for the season 2019-20, which could be the end of this season uh, if it gets voided. So uh, we shall see what happens there. We decided to put it into two parts because uh, it went on a lot longer than expected due to uh, the discussion on uh, Jack Grealish's recent faux pas. If you haven't listened to that uh, yet, uh, please do go back to the previous episode. Uh, It's worth your while. And it also uh, gives you a bit of context as it's referred back to uh, during uh, the discussion in this part of the show, uh, which goes on for over an hour. Before we get into the discussion of the power rankings between myself, uh, Chris Bird, Max Stokes, and Phil Shaw, quick shout out to uh, the said patrons, and thank you very much for staying with us in these tricky times. Big shout out to Craig Miles, who uh, joined us uh, in between the uh, two parts. Uh, Thank you very much, sir. For signing up. Uh, if you also want to uh, support the show and get access to uh, the numerous extra, extra shows that are coming your way uh, this coming week, uh, please go to myomansaid.com and uh, click on the uh, patron option on the menu. Uh, if you're on a mobile device, uh, just uh, click the uh, three lines on the left-hand side to access the menu. Speaking of patrons, my old man said patrons, few of you have uh, dropped in your top tens of, uh, the basic, not necessarily the best players, but the best performing, uh, most impressive during uh, what was the... Uh, 2019 stroke 20 season this is something they kind of do in America the power ratings they do it most months so it's like players influence in that month i think somata would be pretty high up if uh, we'd had done it just on uh, as let's say february for example but we're doing it across the whole season so the idea is i ask people to uh, as well as uh, the guys here uh, the My Omenset patrons, to give me, uh, given 10 points to the number one best player, all the way down to one point for whoever finished 10th. Uh, Liam, our friend uh, in Australia, our Irish friend in Australia, sent me a, a top 10, which can only be described as a top 10 of madness.
0: You're crazy.
4: Now, I don't know if this translates in spoken form, so, uh, Guys, any canned laughter will be appreciated. Uh, but the most random thing I've ever uh, read in the in the last few weeks anyway. Uh, I'll go from one to ten. One, Tom, please come back. We need one. Two, notes I missed from Jonathan Codger's leg guitar. <laughs> Three, words of English Trezeguet can speak. Four, not FFP again at the door. Only lost 18.3 million, a 30 million increase from the previous year, but we will remain... Insistent we are compliant with financial fair play regulations. Wink, wink. Five Bjorn to run slow. Engels needs to find his fifth gear as grass grows faster than he can run. Six, six months. That's how long I thought El Ghazi would be out this year. After his near brush with death, following a bone-crushing whack to the face from Southampton's Jan Bednarek, No laughter so far. This canned laughter service is terrible. <laughs> number seven. Yeah. We've, got, we've not got number seven, John McGinn. Oh, where have you been? Our Scottish sedan. And our first genuine box-to-box midfielder in many a year. Where have you been? Number eight, Keenan, what's the injury this time? Davis, built like a powerhouse, like his aloof Irish teammate, promises so much in 10-minute cameos until he stubs a toenail and is injured for three monthly spells. Yeah, That's probably the best one so far. (laughs) Yeah, please do tell me which is the best one so far. Number nine, Conor Horahan, not in sight again, glimpses of brilliance every time he makes a five-minute cameo. Start him, and he's invisible until his social media posts a few hours after every game. That's, that's probably Ooh, my favourite. That's cut. number ten. Danny drinking our water shows up a spent force, legs gone, yottas headband gone via a headbutt. Milks us for wages like a parasite during a global pandemic. It's strong. Ooh. <laughs> stick the knife in old uh, drink water there. I bet that was the only mention of drink water in all the voting. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody even uh, took the piss uh, by giving him a, a vote in the top 10. I think, I, I mean, I've long forgotten he's actually ever played for Villa. He's one of these kind of David Unsworth type chaps. Uh, who yeah, I is, don't acknowledge uh, his existence a, at the moment. Not even a footnote in the history of uh, Aston he's like a, Villa. He's, he's going to go on the
5: list with like Simon Dawkins and, you know, Ton and yeah. all these shit houses.
4: Right, anyway, so this season, will it ever continue? Who knows? But up until now, and this may be a season review, we we'll, we can just rehash it and put it back out as the uh, the season review, although the season may be voided, as we just mentioned, and uh, Men in Black style, it never happened. Right, it was neck and neck, uh... This tenth place until I added uh, myself and Max Stokes's scores to the mix, and uh, Samata was one point off Neeland, but Neeland eventually got into tenth place. So uh, not bad for a reserve goalkeeper to get in the top ten Villa players, and uh, he didn't actually play that much. Uh, I mean, we, I just literally uh, did the tallies uh, before we went on air, so we haven't been able to pull up the stats. But this is uh, gut instinct. Uh, who gave Nealand a good score? Who, who thought he deserved to be in the yeah, top ten? Max, you had you had Nealand uh, in your uh, top ten. Pray tell why.
3: I did. I had him in seventh. I thought, you know, when he's come in, apart from the the Man City at home game, I thought he's been fairly reliable. I think the standout one um, was the Leicester game at home where it, it could yes. have been three, four to Leicester just in the first half. Yeah. Um, I think he was the hero that night, and that's why I've put him that high.
4: Yeah, uh, one of the uh, the patrons, Richard Lewis. Uh, I've actually taken comments from uh, three patrons who actually gave comments for every player. So uh, we'll bleed them in. Uh, one is Ben Redding, who uh, has been on the show a few times as well. Uh, Richard Lewis said about Nealand uh, League Cup run, fair play to him, coming back from injury and uh, doing that in spite of a sceptical fan base, which I, I think is... Why I got him in the top ten as well, to be honest. Yeah, if if
5: you were giving out an award for the most improved player, I think Nealand would win hands down.
4: Yeah, yeah, no, that's I mean that's a good point actually because when you're doing this, I'm sure most of you felt like this. Let's say the top four, you can pretty much they come off the top of your head pretty swiftly. But then you you're kind of scratching like, it's uh, it's not easy.
5: Inconsistency has been the name game for pretty much everyone.
4: Yeah. So Neilland ahead of Samatta. I think Samatta, if he had. uh, arrived uh, a few months earlier, then I think he would have easily uh, made the top ten based on his endeavour. Uh, from what we've seen so far, anyway. Uh, anything to add, uh, Phil? On Neeland, was he in your top ten?
2: No, I forgot about him. I was so I think I was concentrating so much and giving some players low ratings that I forgot <laughs> to squeeze, squeeze him in.
4: Well, it's no, yeah, you know, it's, no, it's not a, not a problem. Right, number nine, Mister Connor Hurihan. There's there's a bit of a gap between him and uh, 8th place. Uh, Looking at this, uh, Ben Redding says, "Goes goes missing in games, but key goals against Norwich and Newcastle. Should get more game time, in my opinion. Scooter Thomas says, I think if Connor had another gear, like one more little notch of speed, he'd be the player Villa needs every game. His technique is unassailable, but he cannot, like, straight up hand-on bible cannot recover in a meaningful way if we get caught on the break i am sure he'd run past me like i was standing still but watching the speed of his movement on the field is like watching my pops leave the bar at last call slow bumbling no hurry to leave because he doesn't want to what do you think about that phil um was hurihan in your top uh picks yeah
2: i i had him in fifth which will annoy 50% of the internet who doesn't <laughs> want them anywhere near there um, but at the, at the end of the day football's results business and he gets your results yeah. whenever you know when he uh, the Norwich home game the Newcastle home game you know he, he did the business in both those games and without those six points where would we be just think, if the, maybe he needs to be fitted into the team in a better position, but I don't know where it is. Max
4: Stokes, I've just given you a new job. You're now Aston Villa manager. When do you play Horahan? Oh, pressure's
3: on. I don't know. It's a difficult one. Like Phil said, where do you put him? Because you've got Grealish on the left-hand side cutting in, sort of roaming McGinn when he's fit, you know, being the energetic one. So where does Horahan fit in? I think that there's the issue. And I think that's why he comes off the bench a lot of the time. Um, you know, that that seems to be where it works because when he starts games, I think he started Watford away when we got battered 3-0 and the game yeah. passed him by. He was so poor. It's like he wasn't there. But then literally two days before that, near Norwich at home, he came on and changed that game. So yeah. when, it, when it comes to starting, I'm not sure, but I think he's, he's one of the only small bits of quality we've got coming off the bench.
4: Chris... Even in the championship, uh, I mean, he, he wasn't a regular starter. But there was a there, there was a period where when Smith fancied his chances against a team in terms of holding possession, he would play Hurrahan, and then obviously uh, in a let's say a more physical, tougher game, he, he would leave him out. You know, mainly like away games. I mean, can you see any type of game that you would play him in the Premier League? Because he he still has that end product. I mean, if you've got a good got a good left or a right foot, it works in whatever level of football you play, but it's that defensive part of his game. and uh, as you know, as we've said, sometimes the game passes him by. I think you're playing him against teams you expect to
5: beat at home, certainly when you're going to have a little bit more of the ball. Potentially, you know, when you think you can get him in and around the penalty area, I think compared to most of our players, he's probably the most consistent in terms of his end product in the final third, crosses, yeah. assists, and I think you've, you know he can chip him with his fair share of goals. I agree with. I think it was what Scooter Thomas said about you know he needs that extra gear. Um, I mean, I think you could apply that to probably a, a, you know a good few players in our team that they, they they need that extra sort of Premier League.
4: Shift. Yeah, we're lacking in genuine uh, acceleration, and, and pace. I think it, it's 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 not necessarily
5: just straight up pace. It's also sharpness. I'm talking, you know, speed of thought. Yeah. The, the the way you look at the really top players, and in, in his position, i you'd have to compare him to someone like a David Silver. David Silver's speed of thought and the way he sort of the ball leaves him so quickly, and he has control. I look down at the squad list, and I think when Conor Horan plays well in a in a good team. He can give you control, but it's so infrequent that you just think yeah. it's, it's it's. There's so many players in his in his position in that you don't know where to play him, and we've got so many of those guys. It's almost like the yet again and like the season we went down. There's lots of good individual players. There's lots of guys who bring things to the table, but it's where do they slot in as a balanced
4: unit, and we just don't have it yet but Horahan's also in a position and this has happened to Villa players uh, over the years where there is a great opportunity to stake a claim and because nobody's uh firing on all cylinders and it's Seems that it seems to be beyond him to uh, become the main man uh, at this level, but anyway, let's let's move on. I think this is one of Max's favorite players. Uh, if my memory serves me right, maybe you've changed your mind. Uh, number eight, uh, Anwar Al Ghazi. Did you vote for him, Max? Nope, nowhere near <laughs> my top 10, unfortunately, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so I was right, my memory serves me <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ben Redding says, very inconsistent, but does contribute goals and assists i think it's a similar case to uh, to, uh, connor he just you know he's he's uh, cursed with inconsistency but has got end product which uh, not everybody does have uh scooter says we've seen flashes we've seen explosions (laughs) we haven't seen consistency If Anwar could put together a string of performances where he chose his moments well and kept his head up when receiving the ball, then he'd be on an every-game starter. As it is most often, he's looking to dribble, and most often he picks the wrong choice in defending situations. Uh, What do you think, I think you've said about this before, Chris, about his uh, decision-making at times not being uh, what it perhaps should be.
5: I mean... The, the reality is we're probably going to go down the entire squad list and the theme of it is going to be inconsistency to pretty much every player. And that's <laughs> right, why we're get where we to are. let the chase. Right, number one. Yeah, inconsistent. <laughs> number two. But I think the thing with El Ghazi is when, when I feel he's at his best is actually when he's being a little bit more selfish and direct. Just get your head down, get to the byline and deliver. And play a little yeah. bit like an old-fashioned winger it's when he's got time to think he just seems to fall apart for whatever reason I don't know if he's like a an instinct player and he's one of those guys that you are going to have to carry a little bit but in this league and in the type of position Villa are at the moment you can't have too many players like that you can afford to have a Greel issue. you can slot yeah. in you can let him roam you can let him run a game because he will win you a game Al Ghazi will make things happen he's very similar to Horahan you know they've got They've shown lo- lots of moments of real quality, but then there's been some o- other moments where you just think they're actually a liability as well. And, yeah, it's, and-
4: it's fun. It's funny. I remember uh, speaking to my uh, Ajax mate, who's like one of the head men of their massive uh, supporters group, which has got like over hundred thousand uh, fans in it. And he was saying El Ghazi because obviously he played at Ajax uh, back in the day that he was powerful. And you looked at highlights, and sometimes they'd play him straight down the middle, and you know somebody would lump the ball up, and he would like chest it down, and he, he would have the pace to to beat them uh, i think as scooter says ex, you know he'd explode and you thought well here's a player here but then my experiences at villa as as uh, liam said in his uh, top 10 of madness uh, you know as soon as somebody touches him he's down like a sack of spuds and uh, and you think well he, he actually physically he's got the power especially on the wing you know he's good six foot he's you know good in the air but he doesn't play with any toughness it's and, desire, you know, it's,
5: isn't it? Desire and belief.
4: And, you know, the amount of times he's, you know, he's he's up there with Wesley for playing dead. And you just think this is, I mean, this is something if you've watched football over, uh, like, in the 70s or 80s, you look at these players and you go, oh, you know, modern day players. I mean, we're so many decades in now of the modern day age that nobody says it anymore. But people used to spit on the floor when they saw players diving and doing all this kind of stuff and he 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 didn't do himself any favours I think he would actually be a better footballer if he got him got his socks dirty and uh you know just got stuck in because he's got the attributes to do it and I think you know Ajax probably thought that and then they suddenly thought yeah it's not going to work out is it let's get rid
5: well you don't leave somewhere like that unless there's a reason you know if you were a good player they'd be keeping you because they have, you know, a, clearly a system that works there for players coming through, especially at the moment when you look at what... And then you get picked up by one of the big boys. Yeah, you, really you know, good. you look at what happened to like De Litt and and um, Frankie de Young and people like that. These are like some of the top young players in world football now.
4: Yeah. Right, let's move on to number seven of the uh, inconsistent list of Villa players. Uh, or oh, oh, Well, basically it's the top 10 of Aston Villa inconsistency. Any guesses? Number seven? Phil, any guesses? Cheers mm. again, hmm? <laughs> Max. Who are you going for? You uh, all it, have to guess. Is it a fullback? Well, you give me a name. I don't give me like... Freddie Gilbert. Yes, yes. On the money. Richard Lewis says exceeded expectations in a nutshell. Shall we? Uh, should I, <sighs> do you want me to go through Scooter's uh, prose? Is it long? Yes. <laughs> highlights? <laughs> well, I've got to. Uh, I've got to read this out because he does declare in it that uh, Freddie is his favourite player. Wow. On the team. So he begins. So I feel like this one is a little biased. He is my favorite player on the team. But boy, when he is bad, he is ever so bad. He was abysmal at, and abysmal in capitals at Southampton. His service is good, but when your service has to compete with Elmo's service, you have to distinguish your game in another way. I think that's props out to Elmo, actually. Yeah. When he positions well and doesn't overextend, he seems to play a different game. And I think the back three suited both him and Target because it gave them both cover to get stuck in and get back. In the back four, he seems unsure. It's either too much or too little, and it throws off his his teammates if Freddie can pick his battles correctly he is one of the better players on the field I think it's a good point about the back four and back three I mean against Leicester he was great I thought I mean both games in the semi-finals anyway he was he was just battling and he was he was thriving on it I mean Max do you think that's a, the the issue here the back three and the back four
3: yeah I think there's a, there's a bit of that in there I like Freddie Gilbert I think he's a, a good player um, I think as well is he's, he's one of the only bits of pace we've got in the side and I think you know when you when you watch him play the The desire is there, which I don't get from someone like El Ghazi.
5: Um,
3: But, you know, I like the way he plays. I think, like you said, uh, if we were playing a three at the back, I think he looks much better because he is very, well, I say very good. He's he's good going forward as well as coming back. Um, But no, I like him. I think there's a player there and he's still young. So, yeah, I like him.
4: I I put him in my uh, top 10. There's there's one thing in the early games that uh, I'm sure you you all remember. There would be these moments where he would just suddenly sprint like a madman, like 60, 70 yards with his arms in the air, but no Villa player would spot him. And he thought, he just saw his pace and he thought, why aren't we getting onto that? Why aren't we launching it and, and, you know, take people by surprise? But and I saw him do that like two, three times and his teammates just ignored him and he would be there like a cutting a frustrated figure. I mean, do you think we've actually seen the best of him in terms of considering we're a team lacking in pace that we're not actually utilising his uh, pace perhaps?
5: Not yet. I mean, I think um, he has all the attributes of very similar to the the team that went down, um, you know, three seasons ago, in that you could see him with another year's Premier League experience becoming a really good player because he's got all the yeah. attributes to be a really top class fullback. You know, he's, he's, he's you know he can he's not massively tall, but he's physical enough. He's very quick when he recovers. He's, he he reminds me of a, a Mavi in that he, you know he can make a mistake, but he's quick enough to get back and recover. I think his position and his reading of the game in, in this country will only help him. You know, he's come from a very poor team in a very average division. Yeah. Um, I think going forward, as you said, to begin with, I think teams didn't know him and the way we played. It probably suited him that he thought, I can really get involved here and bomb on. And I think what you've seen with him over the season is the kind of eroding of his confidence a little bit to bomb on. Because he knows if he gets caught out, it, El Ghazi or Trezeguet probably doesn't have his back to cover him. Yeah. And that's probably why the back three, you know, in playing as a wing back suited him because he's like, actually, I can push on here, and I'm probably going to have. You know, at the time, I think it would have been Konza who would have swept up in sort of the right back position. I yeah. I think he probably knows tactically we're not quite there to get the best out of him yet, but I think he's he's very much a player like to be continued. I would hope whatever league we're in next season, if next season comes, that he'll still be he'll still be there.
4: If you we're talking about him kind of eroding a little bit recently, I mean you just got to look at the, uh, the the what has happened to the centre backs. I mean it's the whole unit that's kind of yeah. gone down the pan. Konza and House just completely forgot how to mark players. Uh, I mean Phil, uh, no surprise. Uh, well, not yet. Anyway, that Konza and House haven't made this top ten. But uh, would you, would you say that Konza are, uh Kind of falling from grace has been responsible for Gilbert not uh, being as consistent in the last few uh, games Villa played. Yeah, I would say that,
2: and also I think like maybe a couple of them there. I wonder how good his English is. I, I just I get this feeling that he cuts this sort of lonely, frustrated Frenchman just sort of dandering about the the training ground. You know, it, it doesn't seem sort of included you see in his social media and things like got there he, he is it seems to be quite a loner i think there there is a good player in there but when you're you're trying to get your your back four or your back five as it was sometimes into like a unit i just wonder how much you know he's included with the rest of them
4: yeah well uh but i mean the good thing is uh as he's in lockdown now so he'll be practicing his english no doubt and learning it he'll be on dual lingo so uh, not only has he had the experience of a potentially void season to uh, get up to speed, as uh, Chris was saying, but also uh, I'm sure he'll come back with better language skills as well. So you, you're talking about he can only get better. And, and uh, as we've all said, I think he has got all the uh, the attributes to uh, improve and be a decent fullback for Villa. I mean, he, he gave Sterling a good 90 minutes in the League Cup final. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to number six, uh, onto the other side of the pitch at fullback, uh, Mr. Matt Target, who uh, scored highly with a few people. Uh, I mean, in the end, he was had a similar score with Gilbert, but. Uh, I think before the season started one of our main discussion points was if filler are to improve on the season before and there are you know there were you could argue that perhaps we might not have had a as good team as we had certainly in experience and uh, was Wesley better than Abraham probably not but one area that we could improve was at fullback and obviously Gilbert and Target uh, were the main uh, acquisitions and we spent a bit of money on target it was around 11 million was it not and I, I don't want to say that word in concept but it applies to target as well uh ben redding says really good link up with Grealish going forward defending questionable uh, richard lewis says upgrade on taylor but to be honest he sits this high for lack of other options so uh he graded him uh, in high in his top 10 mr thomas says he is second half because he is inconsistent when the boy plays like he can he's a top five in the team when he gets tired or demoralised his legs seem to go and he starts to try to get cute with his play if you're trying to be cute you have to back it up with strength some days he does others it's an invitation to get steamrolled what do you think about that Max?
3: Yeah I think that's that's pretty good Um, I think he's Good occasionally again. We're going to talk about inconsistency like we are throughout this whole list. <laughs> um but we, we're gonna talk about this whole the, the Leicester semi-finals, aren't we? That that goal um that he scored. Obviously the link up play with Grealish was very, very good. Um yeah. could, that that can still be done with the four at the back, Norwich away, he links up with Grealish well, got an assist or two, I think, that day. Um but yeah, I think he's good. I think one of the comments there said that he was poor when, you know, the games got away from him. You know, the Towards, I just remember at the end of the, the 4-0 game against Leicester, which was our, our yeah. last game, it was just everything he was doing, every pass straight back to them and then the onslaught started again. So when he's on form and Villa are on top, which isn't often, I think he's a really good asset to have. But when it's not going well, I think he, he's there to be got at. But no, I think he's okay. Like you said, he was very expensive and there was a lot of expectations on his shoulders. Yeah. But no, I think I think he's a he's, he's a steady player.
4: But Chris, I mean, if this is a team, uh, I mean, you know, let's not forget this is a young team, and the the these players aren't in just for this season to uh, suddenly become a, a you know a force to be reckoned with—it's a work in progress. And that Grealish and him do make beautiful music at times down that left flank. I mean, that's something surely that's got to develop. And uh, if Grealish sticks around,
5: I mean, I, I like him going forward, um, as I'm sure most do. You know, you see him when you get him into, into good positions. You know, totally unlike Taylor, he will just wrap his foot around the ball and deliver. And his delivery is generally quite good. You know, he he's yeah. scored probably two of the more important goals we've scored this season. You know, he, you know, he saved the game with the last kick of the game against Brighton earlier in the season with the winner. That was a huge moment in the season at that point. Yeah, And obviously the Leicester semi final he sort of got the team going. And especially in the first half in that game, I thought he was excellent. He's definitely, you can see there's a really good fallback there and I think Smith has sort of alluded to the same thing that he said I see an England fallback there but yeah I want to see the desire of an England fallback and that's the thing he he kind of comes across as a really nice guy and you almost want to see a bit more of a nasty streak in him which you're in bits from Gilbert on the other side and you used to see from Taylor to be fair obviously you know, he had a track record of breaking people's legs <laughs> but you don't ever feel if I always think with with um target if there's a 50-50 or if he's not favourite to win it he's not going to win it you never you never yeah, you never like, you never go yeah if you know like McGinn you always fancy even if he's like 70-30 against him McGinn will still put his foot in and have a good go at getting it you're never confident in targets sort of just physically
4: yeah I mean you mentioned England fullbacks I mean if you look back at I mean somebody like Ashley Cole who obviously played a, a ton of games for England uh great going forwards he had that tenacity. I mean, even though he's, you know, the traditional kind of small fullback in terms of stature, he had that tenacity, and he was, he was a tough man to get. Yeah, best. And he was nasty. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a desire thing. Right. Moving on to number five. This is, I think, this is a player that could have could Have finished outside the top 10 or where he actually did finish. Uh, this is uh, probably the last place of all the players, the kind of the ones to come after this. You probably expect them, but uh, this I'll put it out for guessing. Uh, who, who do you think's number five? I'm gonna go with Engels, Phil, Wesley, Wesley, fucking hell, Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god, no idea. Nakamba, oh, on the money again. Oh, get in. <laughs> It's Nakamba that is a good shout again. To be fair, but as I said, you can understand he he could have yeah. In terms of any any Villa fan, if you said give me your top ten of performers this season, you you it would be hard to pick where Nakamba would finish up. And when you look at his scores individually, they were all in that he just picked up points from everybody rather than like you know big scores like ten or nine for being you know or eight. He was just picking up you know your fours, your threes from everybody, and uh, it was more he was considered by everybody while other players below him are you know some people fancied them some people just didn't even have them in the well, that, list that
5: probably sums him up on the field doesn't it he is basically a bits and pieces player
4: ben redding says excellent at the start of the season then dipped massively was starting to improve before obviously the season was curtailed mr scooter thomas says he has owned his role at times and continues to do so on a more frequent basis He is, I think, one of those players that really and truly needs about two seasons in the Premier League and will all of a sudden be a showstopper. That two-footed tackle, in brackets, that was legal, against Aguero is the stuff of dreams.
5: I mean that's probably why he's got his score where he is you know the memes and the the general highlights from recent memory that's probably one of the few highlights so.
4: (laughs) But I think it's a good point I mean uh, it echoes what I said uh, earlier on about uh, Target and uh, Gilbert about this as he says two seasons and then you've you've got a player and that you know Drissa Gay had that situation as well dropped in at Villa you saw a player there but uh, he's you know he's got to get to the the tempo of the game to start to read it, and you know, then he knows the angles, and he and he can quickly become uh, the uh... what the enforcer. Yeah, is it the inf- there's another the one, anchor.
5: I'd have thought Nakamba's more of like a pivot. He plays, he's a, he's a yeah. bit of both, isn't he? Because he's not, he's not uh, the nastiest. He'll, he'll get, him, he'll get around the field, but he's that kind of. He, you, you play him on the half turn, and he's. He get you know takes the ball off the back four and he just gets things moving.
4: There's definitely a player when you look at him and you're thinking, I know what I want him to be in this team, but I think it will take uh, another season or two to get him uh, rocking and rolling. It's probably him. Uh, I think for him, it's
5: it's getting him a partner as well in that midfield yeah. to, to do that, and it it might be having you know a, a fit and firing McGinn around him would will be the obvious choice. It's just giving him some legs. And some physical presence to work with. You know, he tried it with bloody drink water, and it just failed miserably.
4: And of course, I mean, at the start of the season, it was the question was would him or Douglas Louise take that slot? And uh, I think Louise was the first uh, was given the first roll of the dice, was he not? And then they were found themselves playing together. But I mean, Dougie Louise is the man who everybody thought it was like the second coming. Manchester City, Pep loves him. And I mean, he hasn't made this top 10 and didn't really uh, do much, uh, I I have to uh, admit, in terms of the scoring across the board. Which for somebody who scored probably two of the goals of the season is is kind of a strange one. It
5: shows just how, I wouldn't even say how inconsistent he's been, but it's because he's generally been pretty average. But when he's shown little glimpses of quality, there's like, real quality there which yeah, is, must be yeah. very frustrating for Smith to be able to see such a great player I'm sure he's as Smith has said in, in press conferences I can imagine when he said we've got guys who look great on the training ground you can yeah. imagine that is being thrown at that's players him. like Louise yeah. because you can imagine he runs rings around everybody like, sort of technically but it's not all about your technical stuff and there's that's there's a reason why he wasn't making the grade at Man City.
4: Max do you think we will see greatness from louise next season not if we get relegated i
3: think he'll be i don't know where he'll go but he won't be a villa because i don't think he'll want to be here in the championship well it'll be the he...
4: second it'll be the second time he's got relegated with the team actually
3: yeah and he, he left girona whoever it was in yeah. spain didn't he yeah i Maybe just don't online, think he has it? the yeah he's not the he's sort of grittiest player who's going to get stuck in in a you know sort of championship for example um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't. Not, I don't know if England's right
5: for him. No, no, not Villa anyway. I think you look at the pace of the game in Italy or Spain, and that might suit his game, but not not Premier League football.
4: Uh, Phil, who's finishing number four in the power rankings? Right.
2: Since I've done badly so far, I'll say
4: Heaton. <laughs> Correct. yeah only, only number four. Massive gap between uh, Nakamba and Heaton. You're at the business end. Actually, Heaton, pretty close to uh, number two because... Number 2 was actually a joint uh, number 2. Okay. Uh, before I uh, added my results and Max's results, uh, I think they were level, yeah. Then I thought, ah, oh, I, I haven't done mine yet, so I put mine in and uh, one of them went above the other one. I'm not giving away which one uh, was my favorite. And then uh, I forgot that Max hadn't uh, his results hadn't been added, so when I added Max's, they were ended up equal in the end. Uh, anyway, Heaton, I've just given away who's number 1, but we all knew it was uh, going to be uh unanimously uh wesley wesley <laughs> <laughs> exactly persona non grata now grealish after his faux pas we can't include him in the top 10 uh anyway sorry heaton uh bit of it's one of those where obviously the case of mcginn as well where he's disappeared off the radar for the last few weeks of while villa were playing but uh, stayed in uh, mind's eye uh, ben redding says kept us in games but has also made costly errors. Richard Lewis says, mostly solid, considering how many chances were given and mistakes were made ahead of him. Mr. Thomas says, as with McGinn, I thought about giving this slot to another player, and I think you could transpose Rayner in here, minus his just absolute brain dump of a play. Well, the last game, really. The net, Minder, I like that. Is, is this what is this? Netball or something? Net, the net <laughs> minder. Netminder. There's no way Scooter's English.
5: That's like US. You've been, that's US soccer guy on Twitter, isn't it?
4: You've been rumbled penalty uh, scooter, goal the... shot insertion. <laughs> sorry, Scooter, the net minder. But we'll run with it. Goaltender. The net minder in. <laughs> <laughs> the whole tender <laughs> in this team has been a solid anchor for the team, and the result has been largely positive. I feel that Mings takes his chances often because he is confident in the keeper behind him to stand tall uh, against his mistakes. I think if we move that same confidence to outside wing backs and had the consistency of the net in Mings, because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't get over this net minder. <laughs> had the consistency of the netminder in Ming's, then we'd have a good place to move forward
0: from. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try
1: at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
4: So translated into uh, English, experienced goalkeepers give Mings uh, that confidence to uh, attack balls and you know take chances. And uh, if that could uh, same confidence could then go to either the outside centre backs and win backs. You got a starting point for uh, a proper defence which uh, I thought we were going to have after I mean initially the back four started off reasonably well even though it was an under immense pressure then when that transitioned into a back three it started off reasonably promising but anyway back to Heaton uh, that was a big miss when we lost Heaton uh, you, that was the time that I thought ah shit we might be in trouble this season anybody else's reactions to Heaton getting injured do you think that was a pivotal moment where we became a team that was potentially going to finish in the lower half to one that was back Relegation, yeah.
5: Similarly to McGinn, you know, you look at the the big injuries we've had. Villa have basically lost their spine through for the best part of half a season. I mean, you, you know, you take Wesley out of the equation, but in terms of you know, you've lost Heaton, you've lost virtually all of your centre backs at one point this season. You've lost McGinn, you, you know, your engine room, and you've lost your you know your striker as well.
4: It wasn't just you know the saves he made, but it was. I mean, he was the only person that we had in the team that was legitimate 100% Premier League experience and quality and you thought going into the season we'd probably have one or two more of those types of players so to lose him then suddenly you're looking at a team with very little Premier League know-how and experience and we got rattled a few times I mean Watford wiped us out leicester wiped us out and when pepe reyna came in you saw the logic of that and there was a couple of performances at the start i remember on the podcast where i said you can actually from that performance you can see why he's in there and you know i had my doubts because i thought oh, is this somebody who's just going to be like over the hill cannon fodder as we fall into the you know relegation and uh, we saw a bit of that against leicester but uh heaton was Certainly, a move in the right direction of getting Villa back at it as a Premier League force. So him leaving the you know the field of play, and uh, but the, you know the, he's he he has had other injuries, and that's the concern here. Are we buying a player that's going to be a twenty game uh, a season? Player or
5: uh... well, he's had a couple of quite bad injuries, hasn't he, down the years yeah. of burning I think that's why he, you know gradually went down the pecking order there behind Pope and then Joe Hart and other people. And yeah. Just yeah, he think, opened
4: the door for them, didn't he?
5: Yeah, and you, you you just wonder if has he seen his best days now? You know he'll come back from this injury, but you know how much longer is he going to last before he breaks down again? I mean, I had him in my number, my my sort of my my second spot. Wow, because I thought in terms of his week in week out consistent impact on games the number of points and certainly earlier in the year up until about sort of November when our form really kind of got began to get chronic I thought he was the difference between us sort of staying in games and and also keeping our goal difference down which at that point yeah was massive you know because at one point in sort of the end of October time our goal difference you know after we'd beaten Norwich for example was superb. I think we had about a plus thirteen. You know, there were teams yeah, in the we yeah. there were teams in the top half, top six. In fact, who had worse goal differences than us. So it showed that we had all the you know the the and that's normally the, one of the the big sort of. um, you know, metrics well, it, it was a case of we were only getting
4: yeah we were only getting beaten by one goal. Yeah, we you, got you beat. can tell
5: we're competitive and there's something that's really building and then that just fell apart. And I I think that them not having Heaton at the back certainly hasn't helped either. I think he's a great shot stopper. And I think it's just his overall you know persona on the field and organisation that perhaps they've missed.
4: Max, where did you have him?
3: I had him in third. I think. He, like you said, is the literally the only bit of Premier League quality that we've got. And without him, we look absolutely just so inexperienced and don't look, you know, Premier League quality. It was massive when we lost him. Um and I think if we had kept him, would it have made a massive difference? I think it would have made a you know a decent sized difference, but you know, yeah. we'll never know. But yeah, I, I highly rate him. Um so I I'd put him in third personally. But yeah, there you go. Yeah,
4: Phil, uh, I think if at the start of the season we'd have bought a seasoned Premier League centre-back to go alongside Mings with Heaton in the back, I don't think we'd be in this predicament we're in. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I'd maybe I went for a seasoned Premier League midfielder rather than a centre-back. <laughs> just, just some sort of some sort of shield there. What, Danny Drinkwater no isn't he good enough right. for you? Seasoned, not weathered. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's very
4: weathered, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <you> stonewashed <laughs> <laughs> tie died. oh no that's greenish uh, sorry Phil no
2: I just I think you, you know we needed we needed a couple of those players and it was it was a risk going in it was sort of I think it was in the back of everybody's mind despite all the optimism it's like you know we need, we need another couple here but well it's been proven right unfortunately but no I'd I'd hate in at number two in mind right. because he only had he only one bad game. He only had, that Bournemouth game was the only game you yeah. could actually say he was
4: bad. It's quite interesting that two of two of the the panel here had Heaton above uh, both Mings and McGinn, which uh,
5: purely because of consistency.
4: Yeah, exactly. Which which mm-hmm. does uh, obviously uh, point to that amongst us fine fellows, the four of us. Uh, let's split Mings and McGinn. Who would you give second to outright McGinn?
5: I'll go again as if you're well. on Lack
4: of mistakes, I'd say, McGinn. Oh, I thought you were going to set me up for a uh, potential equaliser there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. I mean, both of them uh, outside of Villa made breakthroughs uh, in different ways uh, for their national teams. I mean, McGinn uh, became a national hero pretty much. Uh, he, I mean, he was scoring like seventy-five percent of Scotland's goal and goals, and gave them actually hope that they, you know, they could build build on uh, in the future. Uh, Ming's uh, breaking into the England team was. Uh, Something we perhaps didn't expect at the end of last season for him to uh, flourish that quickly. But he was immense at the early start of the season. But but you're right, he's uh, he seems to be somebody who has a mistake in him every game now, even though I mean, he's still very good. But is that down to the rest of his defence being a bit flaky? I think it's a few things. I think it's the team,
5: the tactics. And another thing that you don't hear factored in as much really is opposition. You know, yeah. he doesn't have a divine right to go on the field and everything go his way every week. You know, I think all of a sudden the collective of Villa are coming up against smarter players, smarter management, better tacticians, and I think teams have have looked at Grealish, they've looked at McGinn, they've definitely looked at Mings and gone right. How can we stop them? Firstly, and then how can we get at them? And Mings has, I think, has has been one of those players who's who's really been found out. You know, he started well in an England shirt, but you look at the teams he came up against. You know, he played superbly on his debut in Bulgaria, but he didn't have much to do. And Bulgaria are absolute garbage compared to what they used to be. So it's very difficult to judge him, you know, put him in a friendly against, you know, Italy, Germany, the Dutch or someone, and you're going to see what he can really do against the top side who can really exploit his weaknesses I think that he'll probably have needed a season like this because he needed games in the Premier League and a bit of a almost a transitional year for him to see where, yeah. he, where he's at in terms of coming up against top 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 quality players week in week out because in the championship with all due respect to most forwards he would come up against he was physically so dominant he'd get away with mistakes because yeah his pace and power would kind of Overwhelm most opposition again. I mean, I, th- I think similarly to a lot of England centre backs. To be honest, like Maguire like Stones, there's been a, you know, a long list of them. They've all showed periods where they've got some great form, and then they've had periods where they haven't. And that kind of shows in the way you know if you if you watch England regularly, most of our centre backs have all made stupid mistakes in international games as well. Yeah. So it's not just a problem of Tyrone Mings. There seems to be a problem of English centre backs not particularly wanting to defend first. They all want to be sort of ball playing and they want to distribute out from the back and they want to be the guys who carry the ball up to halfway and start the attacks. But actually, you do need the guys who can you know, put their body on the line, which Mings does well. But as you said, it's this one, one mistake every game and it always seems to be the mistake that costs us a goal.
4: Max, what do you think about this uh, setup that Dean Smith has on corners where M- Mings... Essentially, just attacks the ball in in a kind of a zonal setup, which often leaves, as we've seen uh, to our despair, uh, some of the their main threats uh, from corners uh, being marked by uh, you know players like Gilbert, who are about a foot shorter than uh, you know some you know six foot player.
3: Oh, it's it's awful. It's so hard to watch because you can see it. The amount of corners we give away, you can see what's going to happen before it's even happened. Yeah. And if I can see that from the stands, why can't the coaching? You Know, team see yeah. that and sort it out and stop it. I think the second goal from the cup final was a prime example. Like you said, Gilbert was yeah. marking six foot four Rogery, who's easily able to just nail in a header, while Minx is just pottering about, just stood there. So, yeah, it's, Cause it's, it's Mings, a weird because one because
4: his starting position is always reasonably near post, or if he starts off in the middle of the uh, six yard box, he'll drift towards the near post. So, the, you know, all you've got to do is play at far post and you've you know you've isolated him out of the equation yeah, yeah it exactly. means
5: that that role at a corner works sort of in the championship where the delivery isn't as good and you get a lot more of a floated delivery but the quality of of corners yeah. I mean, admittedly as a garbage but <laughs> so they can't be getting much practice <laughs> on the training ground because Villa's set pieces are absolutely dross but if you put a good delivery in at pace he's not going to be able to react as if it's a yeah. floated one of course he can kind of go into that very simple sea ball head ball mentality but Teams know now if you whip it in, Villa aren't going to go man-to-man.
4: Because if you watch that first game against Spurs uh, at the new White Hart lane, him and Engels were headering out everything. So I think that's probably where this whole premise came from.
5: And that's actually why I'm quite surprised you don't see Engels in the top 10 here. Because although he has been inconsistent as well, I think he did enough in enough games to warrant a bit of credit where credit's due. Because in that yeah. first two, three months of the season, I thought he was arguably probably the standout of the new signings from like the, you know, the, the new guys in the summer, obviously, yeah, the, the loan guys. The, yeah. But I thought of the new summer signings who so no one knew, because no one had any expectations of England. They yeah. didn't really know what to expect. And everyone was really impressed from the get-go. I think he no, just, you're was right. just he, unlucky.
4: I mean, people were touting him as the, the best signing uh, at one stage, and you know, in terms of best value, etc. Et well, et mingles became a thing, didn't it? yeah yeah uh phil where did you have mings um i had him where did i have him? i think i had him i had him third
2: even though i've just said mcginn was better than him i had him third
4: <laughs> well yes uh Richard lewis had him uh he said england call up so maybe could argue should be higher on the list uh, a few people had him like in the middle there of the top 10 Scooter thomas says leadership is huge for mings i think that his play could be more consistent and that's why i gave samata the nine Oh yeah, he put, I think he put Ooh. Sumatra in at uh, second place. Wow. I think rightly so. episode He's he's a, hes a renegade, old Sir Scooter. I think rightly so episode 101, where it was brought up that he has a tendency to have a moment of indiscretion about every 75 minutes. His work rate and his uncanny ability to be in the right place at the right time are head and shoulders above the rest of the ten that follow, minus McGinn. Although, so he, he gave him the third spot, basically, so solid eight is, is what he's saying there. interesting he gave us a matter nine but uh, anyway let's move on to Mr McGinn uh, before we get on to Wesley obviously I'll stick up for Wesley <laughs> any, I'm still any... quite offended that Lansbury hasn't had a, had a look in here he's done nothing wrong <laughs> you know, every other fucker in the squad's made a mistake Lansbury <laughs> hasn't done anything wrong Consistent, oh, Mister Lansbury. Uh, ben Redding says, "Had he had not been injured, I'm sure we would have more points." I think that's uh, that's a that's, truism. That's a, yeah, that's a given, it? Although at the time of his injury, there was people calling out for him to be rested because uh, he was playing a bit deeper. I think uh, that is a that is an issue. Uh, whether it's, but you don't have to accommodate Grealish. I mean, you can accommodate both. I think when you start to think about. Squeezing Horahan in, then then uh, it's like who's going to sit deep. But uh, I don't see a problem with Grealish and McGinn being in the team anyway. Scooter says it's hard to rank him, and I had considered leaving him out given his absence. Well, I think you're forgetting about the rest of the season. But we miss the man. I think the w- word for this season has been naive. And the one thing the top four players have is the one thing in my opinion that you could use to combat naivety without experience and that is work rate. If you work hard you can plaster over a lot of mistakes. I think that's the difference between a Louise and McGinn. When the Scotsman makes a mistake he's pissed and he works hard to fix it. When someone else makes a mistake there's McGinn working hard. Louise can be credited sometimes with the former but very rarely does he put work in for the latter. I think that's a good point actually. It's yeah, he's, he's essentially the, the engine room, isn't he?
5: Yeah. And for for the position we're in in the table, you know, you're looking for players to be, you know, more than the sum of their parts sometimes. You know, you look at Sheffield United are the very extreme example of that. We're on paper, most pundits, etc., would say, Oh, Villa have got the better team on paper, but Sheffield are tactically switched on and they work really hard and you look at you know, I remember when we got thumped by City on you know, numerous occasions, but Certainly the Villa Park game and their, their work ethic and Liverpool, the game when Liverpool came to Villa Park, you saw a team who just had so much belief but drive all over the field. They would get the ball back quickly and Villa's lack of willingness to, to go and just fight to get the ball back speaks for itself where they are on the table.
4: Have you noticed that, Max? Would you agree with that? They, there isn't that tenacity and willingness to uh, when, when we haven't got the ball to get it back?
5: Yeah,
3: I don't think there's any lakes in the in the midfield without McGinn. Nakamba's not one to buzz around the field. Louise is pretty stationary. Drinkwater, don't want to speak at him. Um I just think there's there's obviously Drinkwater came in to replace McGinn and that that was just ridiculous. That no one's no one I can think of in, you know, the Premier League is like McGinn. He's just Yeah. That that bit of energy that you just need for for a side like Villa that are gonna struggle in the league. You need that bit of quality, and I think he was a massive goal threat as well. I think he scored at Tottenham, scored at Arsenal, scored countless goals. Um, I think that's what we miss as well because I don't think anyone else scores from the midfield. Well, Bar Grealish. So yeah, it, it was a massive miss. I don't think there's any doubt we'd have more points um, if he if he stayed fit. But he, he was a massive miss. We we'll never know what happened. Uh, what, what what will have happened yeah. if we if he would have stayed fit.
4: But he's, he's one of these players, I mean, I've said it a few times, uh, especially in the last season in the, in the championship, it's, it's, you know, the players get paid a hell of a lot of money nowadays, but you know, who actually is actually a player that you pay your money for your season ticket or your ticket to go and see a game and. There's not many players that you're actually thinking this player's worth the admission fee. But watching McGinn gives me a smile on my face when I'm watching him. And I'm thinking, I'm actually paying money to see this guy and, you know, Grealish as well. Most of the other players are pretty average. I mean, Mings has his uh, moments where you think, yeah, you know, he's he's worth the price of admission here. I mean, Phil, uh, who, are the, who are the players in the Villa team that you actually feel are worth the uh, price of admission? And do you think McGinn is one of those?
2: Yeah, McGinn's definitely worth the price of admission. I mean, you were saying, I mean, I was, it was in my head that he, he needed some sort of rest there just before he got injured there because I was thinking that the the pressure of Scotland and like being their sort of talisman had taken it out of him a bit there. But whenever, you know, he was, we talked it over and he, he was playing deeper and he was having to do a different role, it, it did explain it. And he's, he's the sort of player that keeps the players around him honest because if he's putting that work rate right on and putting that work rate right in, you know, naturally it lifts the rest of them just to, to try that bit harder to try and keep up with them. When, when nobody's putting the work right in the middle, you, you can see what happens.
4: Let's get to uh, number one, our Brazilian, uh, actually he's not Brazilian, he's the NHS spokesman and poster boy for the NHS, the man himself, Jack Grealish, who steamrolled through this I said earlier on that it was a unanimous winner, but it wasn't one person went for Heaton above him, I think. So everybody voted him the top man apart from one person. Ben Redding says, no doubt we would be cut adrift without his contribution. Scooter Thompson says, I think this is a no-brainer. He has put the team on his back for most of the season sure he has a off game every now and again but he's the class of the team I can see some people putting another player higher with what have you done for me lately mindset or for shock value but no Captain Jack is the tops says Mr Thomas a bit of a no-brainer Max would you say yeah I don't think there's any doubt about it I think if
3: we didn't have Grealish I think we'd be twentieth and by some distance. But I think people forget. Yeah. Do you remember the Liverpool at home game where we lost 2 1? There was no Grealish that day. But I just think yeah, there was point. fight and desire throughout the team, but I just don't get that in the last couple of months. Um, I think he's yeah. gone off the boil a little bit. I think in the cup final it was a little bit quiet and um, the Southampton away game he was fairly quiet again, but then again everyone was. I think if Grealish plays well, the team play relatively well and like the comment said, there he's carried us, no doubt about it.
4: But it's interesting you mentioned that Liverpool game because I remember uh, I remember getting uh, to the ground and and seeing the team and going, oh fuck! If there's ever because everybody was buzzing, they thought right, let's have a crack at you know. Uh, I'll call them Liverpool rather than any uh, derogatory term. But uh, then you saw he wasn't there. But then then you know you're watching that game and it's getting absorbing. Obviously, uh, we you know we we go into the lead. And then you forget that he's not there, which uh, is a credit to the team. But as you said, we haven't seen much evidence of that uh, since in terms of uh, combative spirit. Chris, in terms of Grealish grading himself on this season, what do you think he would give himself out of 10 in terms of where he was at the start of the season to uh, what he's proved?
5: I would have thought it'd be sort of around a 7 or an 8. I think he'll be still a bit disappointed potentially with his... Uh, goals. And I think he's actually got into quite a few good positions, and he's tried to pass it. And he thinks, "Put your fucking laces through it." Yeah. He's almost overplayed on a couple of occasions, certainly in uh, in home games for
4: some reason. Because you saw it against Manchester United when he had the glint in his eye. You can see oh, what yeah. he can
5: do. I mean, there's been some real moments of quality. Man. I mean, I really liked the, the, the composure he had to take the ball down and and slide in target for the the last-minute yeah. winner against Brighton earlier in the season. That's a moment of someone who's calm under pressure. And the
4: and, one where he laid it off to Horahan.
5: Yeah, there was that one in, in the Norwich game where he pulled in three yeah. players, slipped him in, yeah. great team goal. Um, you know, the, the Wesley goal at uh, the Emirates was a real sign of what everything he can do, you know, and just, just take the game to the opposition. There's been so many moments of quality and I think he he was one of the very few players, you know, the, the theme of our podcast or one of the themes has been they're not learning from their mistakes. Well, he made yeah. a pretty glaring error at Tottenham on the opening day, yeah. and then he didn't, you know, didn't fuck around with the ball in front of his own goal too many times after that. In terms of his leadership, I think he's he's helped, you know, he's, he's sort of generally managed the pressure pretty well of being captain and the talisman. I think defensively, his, his his sort of work without the ball goes a little bit under the radar, but I actually think he puts in a, generally a pretty good shift. Yeah. Um, I just think he would he would have probably hoped to to sort of just push on a little bit in the second half of the season. and I think maybe teams have got a little bit wiser and it's, it probably isn't necessarily his fault. It's probably more of a tactical and the rest of the, the, the team around him. I think he's definitely got smarter as a player. You saw that in the away leg uh, of the semi-final at Leicester where we had so little of the ball. It was backs to the wall most of the time, especially once we have taken the lead, but he just took all the pressure off and that was a sign of a player who's who's really maturing and who's you know got that real football intelligence which I think will only increase, and I think most most people have commented that you know if you put him in a team surrounded by really top quality players who are going to have possession, he yeah. could be he could be devastating.
4: Uh, Max, do you think he's getting a bit frustrated with the uh, the team he's playing with? Uh, uh, bearing in mind that surely he understands it's a young team, but he could potentially fast track as Chris says, you know, with better players. Or do you think he is happy to? you know lead these it's it's big fish in a small pond but lead these guys who as we've discussed uh, certainly the top 10 here will hopefully uh, evolve with more experience in this league
3: I think you can look at it in both ways I think in one aspect of it I think he'd like the sort of responsibility of you know sort of carrying his boyhood club I think he'd like that but then on the other hand it's only a human sort of instinct to get frustrated when you're the you're by some distance the best player in you know an eleven man football team. It's only sort of natural to get frustrated when people aren't on your level. So I think there's a, a sort of you know bit fifty fifty there. But I, I, if I was him, I wouldn't blame him for getting frustrated at all. And yeah, if if he would want to leave at the end of the season, I'd, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't blame him. Yeah,
5: he'd him. have the view of like a lot of fans do when it's like when you when you're in a tough game, you're thinking to the rest of the team. Come on, give me something. And Jack's probably thinking, yeah. "Come on, man, give me, give me a chance here. Put me in a position where I can win you the game, or win me the ball back. Give me, you know, give me anything." Like he'll be, it'll be he'll be looking at his back four, thinking, "I'm doing everything I can to win you the game, but I
4: can't do all the defensive work for you as well." Yeah, go back to the cup final where we did a lot better in terms of being competitive than a lot of people uh, first thought we would be. We did well to stay in the game and we did create the chances and we you know we had a chance at the end which is all you know all you can pray for when you are a goal down, you know, going into the dying embers of the game. But I don't think he had a platform there to win the game for Villa really did he because he was, you know, people some people remarked he was a bit of a passenger, but you know City know how they're planning to win the game so they make sure they negate the the Grealish threat. We didn't set up to win that game though did we
5: we set up to spoil that game contain man city and hope for the best which was that was the yeah. tactic you know
4: we we never took the game to them really because you know he could argue well that there's a platform Grealish, to prove you can you know win a game on your own and you know you're the man but I think you need against a team like City and their abundance of riches, you need more of a platform from the other 10 guys to, uh, you know, give you the foundations to win the game with a bit of magic. But the worrying thing is against Leicester, you know, we, we, I mean, twice in the league, we we're just kind of bypassed in the second game. Grealish visi- visibly looked a bit frustrated with his teammates. Yeah, I mean, other
2: teams have worked out they they don't just they, they can't they can afford not to just double up on Grealish, They can triple or quad on yeah. them there because they know they can. the rest of the team aren't the a threat. They can just let them stand in midfield or wander or whatever they do sometimes, and put they can put three real you know good ball winning players against Grealish and just take just rotate the the files on them so that they don't get yeah. booked. So there's, there's not, he can't win every game no, by himself. That's a good point.
4: And uh, it's unfortunate that it's a foregone conclusion, who is going to be the top player of the season. Uh, but I mean, my two penneth is, I was wary of all this hype he's always had. And it was, I think f- from that volley, f- straight from the corner against Derby, was when he really started to show, because that was obviously when he came back from that injury and had time to uh, reevaluate where he was going as a footballer. And his influence was immense, obviously it's only the championship, but he, that's what we hadn't to, to justify his hype was he a guy who could win games, and you know this is the definition of a great player, like you know you Messi's or whatever. Ronaldo's at the end of the day one bit of magic can win a game, and Grealish was proving that. And then in the Premier League, he he stepped up and he started to you know get goals and assists, the kind of cutting edge. So he had that to his locker. I mean, I think yeah, with better players in the Villa team, hopefully uh, he'll get more of that. But you see there's more behind the hype and the potential is there and it's a strange one. I mean, I, I, my prophecy is I he would stay at Villa because we could pay him if we stayed in the Premier League for him to be comfortable enough and we showed by getting into a final that he could potentially win things here. He knows we've got rich owners so we can start to pad the team out with better players so there is a potential infrastructure there but this uh, bizarre situation that's obviously happened to football because of the pandemic throws so many questions in the air that it's hard to uh, have a real sense of what will happen do you think Grealish will go I mean there's if the season is voided and we start again I think it will it will mess up that transfer window it'll be a bit of a bad luck clubs throwing around 80 million on players, when uh, the rest of the country is suffering, mm, how does no financial
2: fair play work as well? I mean, is it just do you get a buy a ball for a season Say again? That's right. You know, with financial fair play and the the, the losses over three seasons, if this season's null and void, what way do they work that into the calculations? Oh yeah, sorry, I, I get you. Yeah, that's
5: a good point. I think that's one thing that hasn't been mentioned in terms of, you know, if, if, for example, Villa, you know, if, if you not avoided the season, Villa stay in the league, all of a sudden their calculations become a lot better than if they went down. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if, as things stand, if you play the season out and you stay up, I think you can keep him for one more year. And then after that point, it, it kind of goes completely out of Villa's hands then because it becomes purely down to the individual saying, is this club ambitious enough to go where I want it to go? Or am I going to have to go elsewhere? Similar to, you know, to sort of your Milners, your Barrys, players of like that who go, I've given you a good run of service, but I'm ambitious enough to want to win things and I want to play in the Champions League. And if you yeah, aren't but- going to build a team around me that can do that, Am I going to have to go elsewhere?
4: Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, he's not thinking you get promoted from the championship and you think, oh, give Villa one season. What's the point of staying at Villa for one season? We're going to do fuck all in terms of fulfil your ambitions. You need to give us at least two seasons, if you know what I mean. I mean, I've mentioned it many times, the time in history where a team has got promoted or a new manager has come in and you've had that transitional season, get everything in in place, get adjusted to the league or a manager lining his ducks up. And then the next season, the difference is is, is huge. You know, it's massive. Look Look at Leicester. Exactly. Leicester, even like Villa under Ron Atkinson, under Graham Taylor, went for teams just establishing avoiding relegation and then the next season challenging for the league This in Leicester like you know exactly the same as well so I would like to see Grealish in another season Villa bring in a couple of you know proper players shall we uh, say and uh, see what happens
5: I think even just even just financially, I think if you if you stay in the Premier League and you know you've got another year of the Premier League money, all of a sudden you can you can tip him a bit of extra money.
4: Well, exactly, yeah. So money's not going to be an issue. That's why these survival teams, as I labelled them, you're born with Spritons, can keep. A decent squad because they can pay these players money these players know that you know if if, if any top six teams interested they might just be squad filler for them but they'll get paid the same at Brighton and Bournemouth and they'll be playing every every day you know living living a good life depends on your ambitions doesn't it you know if
5: Jack's ambition in life is I want to captain a boyhood club and play for England well that is that's a realistic goal if it's I want to be playing in the Champions League every you know year and winning trophies well that's that's something that's going to have to be a slightly longer game. You know, people always talk about you know these kind of the days of you know one club players are becoming less and less. Well, you get them at the top. You get you only get them now at the top sides. You know, you look at Xavi and Esther Messi. You look at Skulls and those guys at United. These guys are you know, even, John, you know, yeah, Gerard and John Terry at Chelsea. You get them because they're winning things. It's much easier to stay if yeah. you're a getting paid great money and you're winning things. It's like why would you leave? Whereas Grealish, as much as we you know, want him to, you know, he's Villa through and through, et cetera, and you want him to stay. But are there pretty solid reasons for him to leave at the moment? Well, unfortunately, yes.
4: But at the same time, uh, with these new owners and with what Villa actually want to do and where they see them and maybe it's uh, delusions of grandeur, the next couple of seasons are the key in terms of brand Grealish, you know, Grealish uh, marquee poster boy in terms of as good as it can get for Villa, is Villa under a, a Villa-supported manager and, you know, the idealistic Villa captain to actually win whatever it is, a cup or, you know, qualify for the Champions League? That is a utopia. That's probably as good as it gets. And then after that, then it's a different, potentially a different scenario. But I see Grealish going to another club. I don't think, I can't see him staying at Villa his entire career, whatever happens to me. Nah, not
5: unless we're winning stuff. But I think he'd, he'd if... if uh, I think there's more chance, if if Villa improved a lot more, I think you'd you'd probably see him move abroad. Because I think of all of 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 the English players, I see him as a player who you could see going abroad and
4: really flourishing in somewhere like Spain or Italy. Probably Spain. On the pitch, but off the pitch, he needs to smarten up, as we uh, have uh, discussed at the top of the show. Anyway, let's uh, leave it at that. Uh, I think it's been a pretty good discussion actually i mean we've waffled on and on and on because uh it's just good to talk isn't it <laughs> it's, it's almost Group like the, therapy david it's, it's almost mm-hmm. like the season's begun again we've we've uh, attacked this with such vigor thank you very much uh, for mr max stokes for joining us and uh, do check out uh, villa on tour on youtube even though they're actually not currently on tour it's villa at exactly home, it's just villa now yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Villa, Villa on uh, Villa on Bald. No, that doesn't make any sense. Bald on tour. No, no. I'm Bold on, on tour. tour. No. Uh, Leave your suggestions. Ra- radical haircuts happening at uh, <laughs> Villa at on the floor. Villa on tour. Uh, <laughs> I was going to dye my hair some primary colour. Um, I still might do that to, do to liven liven things up in uh, the Michael household. Um, uh, sorry, I'm re- we're, we're referencing Max shaving his hair off, by the way. Uh, right, until uh, the next show, uh, as I said, there's a few uh, patron extras. I'm going to give you a mom's origin story, how this all started. And it started by mis- you know just by mistake coincidence. I was uh, actually creating another website, something completely different, and... Uh, ended up using the server space for My Old Man Said and never got round to doing the other website, which uh, maybe I should do, uh, how many fucking years is it? Nine years? Nine years later, maybe I should do it uh, in this lockdown. Anyway, we, we'll see what happens there. Uh, next show, uh, I wonder what, what, what will change in a week? Not anything. Well, they, were, they were only due to review <laughs> the
5: Premier League situation on the 30th of April, so uh, see you all in a month.
4: No, we'll, we'll be here next week. God knows what we'll Hell be yeah, talking we about. But, uh, you know, it's filler. Oh, something always happens. Come on.
5: Yeah, there's always there's always a new way to shoot yourself in the foot in the Villaverse. <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. Thank you, uh, Mr. Shaw, for joining us uh, across the pond, as they say. Good yep, luck no with the lockdown. Good luck with the quarantine there.
5: Yeah, stay safe, everyone.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay inside. Mr. Budd has uh, has got a house record Coming out called Var, no less.
5: Yeah, I made that on the day that Lansbury's goal <laughs> got chalked off, so it was made in a fit of anger that afternoon. <laughs>
4: <laughs> should have called it Lansbury. That should well, I couldn't B-side. call it.
5: I couldn't call it Fuck Var, but I would have done it if I
4: could have got away with it. Just b Side Lansbury, some uh, easy mellow classical low t- you know, a record low that sounds like it's there, but not quite. <laughs>
5: Something like that. <laughs> it could have been a record, but it just it just never quite made the grade. That basically sums him up
4: please do uh, sign on to be a patron if you want to access extra shows uh, do follow us on spotify apple leave us a review on apple and uh yeah make sure you follow because uh, since we are not following uh, a game uh, we are a bit more sporadic when we pop up although we will be popping up weekly but uh, in some cases uh, extra shows for example will be popping up all over the place uh, if you're a patron anyway uh, take care out there Stay safe, stay smart, and it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye.